Welcome to The Autism Dad Ohio. I'm Rob Gorski. Building on the success of my award-winning blog and podcast, The Autism Dad, this localized edition supports Ohio families on their autism parenting journeys. As a single dad of three amazing autistic kids, I've been a go-to resource for parents navigating neurodivergence across the globe since 2010. The Autism Dad Ohio connects you with essential resources, education, and support that will help you all throughout your journey. You'll also hear inspiring stories from families all across Ohio, just like yours, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Friday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of The Autism Dad Ohio, I have a conversation with my friend, Jamie Lewis-Smith. Jamie is an autism mom. She lives in Northeast Ohio, and I have known Jamie and her family for about three years now. Uh, her son's name is Beckett. And she's here today to talk about what their life has been like and what their journey has been and what some of the challenges are and, and what they've overcome and some of the exciting things that are going on. And we're going to talk about all the progress that Beckett has made. We're going to celebrate that because it's important and it matters. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about what life has been like since she blended her family together with her partner, Brett. And then next week, we're going to talk to Brett and find out what this journey has been like from his perspective. Brett's an awesome dude, and I really enjoyed our conversation, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear that next Friday. But for now, thank you all for taking the time to tune in, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I really, really appreciate it. Could you take a minute and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about like who you are and what your parenting journey has been? And then I'll just add real quick before I forget, because I will forget, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Brett next week mm -hmm. and, and get like this journey from his perspective as well, because you guys are awesome. And, uh, I think it's really helpful to have that. So thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. So I'm Jamie Lewis Smith. Uh, I am a mother of a, just this week turned eight year old autistic, uh, son. Yes. It was, his, Happy it birthday. was his birthday this past weekend. Uh, oh, lots I can share about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my Emmett, my Emmett just turned 15 last week, so. Oh my gosh, 15. Oh, he's so close to driving. Oh, I want to hear more. Thank you for reminding um, me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The worry, <laughs> I the anxiety about that. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, in addition to being a mom of an eight-year-old autistic son, I am a business owner, CEO of Pixel Leadership Group, as well as board member of Milestones Autism Resources. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and a psychologist too. So that's kind a of lot of hats. A lot of things. That's a lot of hats. Yeah. And so you and I have been friends for years, yeah. years. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting because like we were both, when we connected, I don't even remember how it was. It was, it was through the autism dad stuff and you were going through a really dark time. I, I had just, was just going through the start of my divorce. And, and then of course, COVID, <laughs> it was like a quadruple right. whammy, right? And life was just awful. But like you, yes. you really helped me to kind of navigate all of that stuff as like a person. And then just like with your background and then being a parent who has an autistic child, like you, you got what that was like because it is more complex. I mean, divorce sucks, period. You know, even, even when it's the right thing to do, but when you have an autistic child, that's a whole level of complexity that is uh, not easy 
not easy to deal with. It's so true. And yes, the same. You helped me so much through that time. It's I feel like it was just uh, amazing that we connected when we did. Um, and pre pre COVID, it was it was a weird time. It was already a weird time, and then COVID hit and through everything. A whole yeah, new yeah. level yeah. of so weird. I was, yeah, I was also going through a, a breakup, splitting up with my uh, ex husband now of twenty three years or so at the time. Wow. And um, I know it, it was it, you know the and we can go down this path. The stress of of parenting a special needs child, I think, is a challenge for most folks. And that's probably why for, I think the statistic is 80% of marriages mm -hmm. fail uh, or end in divorce when there's an autistic child involved. And so, you know, it, it we were, we were one of them. One, it certainly, one second. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, what? Okay. Do you remember me saying I was doing a, a recording? Okay. You can't do the litter box right now. Letting me know. Okay, you could text me in the future, but it's not live. It's well, it is live, but it's. I don't really need to know that at this moment. Did you forget? Did you forget, or you yes. just didn't? Okay. <laughs> okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's you okay? You want to talk about it later? Oh, okay, that's not convincing, but we'll talk about it later. Well, don't whatever me. It's whatever me. <laughs> do you do you want to go? No, no, it's fine. I mean, he they can... they like they become so independent, and this is just sort of real life, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but it, they become so independent, and so sometimes I I forget that they're autistic, and mm -hmm. that they they still have these weird things that. Uh, pop up every now and again and weird in like an endearing way. I mean, it's weird, but like endearing, like I, like we embrace the weird here. Right. You're right. But I have no idea what that was. Something about cleaning out the litter box. wasn't able to do it or and like, I needed to know like right in this moment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but it, it is, it's, it's awesome though. Also that they are so independent and you, can kind of forget at times, yeah, oh, right? Well, Isn't that amazing that you're in that place? Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was thinking about this the other day. If I so we when we connected, it was like 20, 2019. It's like twenty nineteen. Yeah. If you had told me, well, I mean, you kept telling me, "Oh, Rob, everything's going to be okay," and I was like, "Oh, I so appreciate that, right?" But I didn't believe it like at all. And not that I didn't believe you, but like you can't see it in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. But I would never have thought that I would be in the place that I am today. I would never have thought that Gavin would be uh, off of every Medicaid. Well, aside from the stuff for his immune system that he'll never be able to get off in his asthma meds. He, he was a diagnosed schizophrenic on 800 milligrams of clozapine a day. Like that's a special FDA approval Amazing. for him to be on that high of a dose. And it barely took the edge off. Uh, you know, all kinds of medication for his health issues to COVID hitting, not being able to safely get his blood work done so he can get the clozapine refills to him being completely unmedicated probably would never have, he would not be diagnosed as schizophrenic were he to run through it again. So we just sort of let it just drop off, uh, to getting his first job 
He started his first job yeah. last Friday and he's planning on moving out. I got Elliot who was just in here a second ago who graduated high school as a junior. You know, Emmett is, is awesome. on course to graduate his potentially his sophomore year. He's got so many credits, but we're going to do college stuff, you know, as long as we can to get that free college while he's in high school. And I, I just like, as frustrating as those moments are, mm-hmm. it's, you have to have that perspective. Like, man, like five years ago, I would have given anything to know that that's what was going to be like, you know, cause they're doing so well. And I know, you know, you can relate to a lot of that. And so, so let's kind of like dive into kind of what your journey has been because that interruption sort of, I lost my thought train anyway. So it, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, I think that that is, I, I wish, I, I think that, you know, you look back and you say, I wish I had known that things would be like this, that it could get so much better. And also I, I, I feel for and understand that when you're in the midst of all that, it, it's impossible to realize how much better it actually can get. And yeah. I remember that time and you were telling me the same thing. It's going to get better. This is a tough time. And I also didn't believe you yeah. didn't believe that yeah. it would be better. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it feels so just overwhelming and all encompassing. You, you know, it's just, there's so much mm-hmm. to deal with when you're, um, especially when they're younger. I, I, I feel like that's one of the things I, there are days where I, I feel like, wow, it's just, we've come so far and I can relax so much more than I could. And how grateful I am for that. When he was, so again, he's, he's eight now when he was born. I mean, he was, he was challenging from day one, literally from day one. He um, has a number of health issues that has complicated um, the experience with him. He has a heart defect that we didn't know when he was born that um, he, it, it, it actually compresses his esophagus. So his esophagus is, is kind of the shape of like an hourglass. because of an artery that grew in a, in a unusual place. And so because of that, when he was young, he couldn't really eat much at one time. So we struggled from day one, trying to to help him to eat and trying all the, uh, you know, the, the different foods and, and everything reflux, uh, he, he, you name it, we did it when he was a baby, but I thought this is, this is baby. This is what happens when they're, when they're, uh, you know, a, a baby or an infant. And unfortunately, you know, it just continued. We, we had challenge after challenge and, uh, I, you know, I, I started to worry relatively early on that he may have, you know, some autistic characteristics. He, he didn't ever look at mirrors. That was, I think, one of the earliest really signs. Yeah. You know, babies, if you look at baby toys, yeah. the earliest baby toys, they all have mirrors right. on them. And many autistic folks, especially when they're very young, they, they, they don't pay attention to that stimulus. Really? And, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard that. But when you're saying that now, it's like, I wonder, I wonder what the mechanics are behind that. Like. 
do they not recognize their own reflect? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, to get really nerdy, I don't know that this is what I'm about to tell you is the case. So let me be very clear. Um, but there is some evidence that uh, autistic folks have some challenges in a particular part of their brain that has to do with mirroring and um, joint attention. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they, they aren't able to necessarily take in that stimulus or attend to it the same way that others are. So, you know, that's another sign that I noticed relatively early on. So joint attention is when, you know, I'm able to say, hey, Rob, look over there. And you are able to look at where, where am I looking and paying attention to the spot that I'm, I'm looking at. Right. And that is another um, early sign of autism that even even to this day, I I almost have to take his head <laughs> and, and direct him. Point him right. Last night we were at the fireworks and I there were fireworks over to the side before the show we were paying attention to where we were going to be paying attention to start. And I'm saying, look over there, look over there. And I have to take his head and point him in that direction because that joint attention just doesn't exist. So yeah. that's interesting. Is I wonder if that's sort of like is it is it like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing? Because I know that's an ADHD thing. Like if mm-hmm. I don't see it, mm-hmm. it's just not even it's like seeing it for the first time sometimes when I pay attention to it again. Yeah, it's it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. Uh, and it's that way with people too. Like I, I'll like I just don't you just I don't know. How, I don't know how that works, but it, it is a very frustrating thing. Yeah, it, it, it's the, like I said, it's the sense of the other individual and what their perception is um, and understanding that they might be seeing something different than what you are looking at, literally, right? Like they hmm. may be looking at something different and that understanding um, is is delayed or challenged in folks that are autistic. And it's this has been a, a something that psychologists have realized for quite some time. And so I noticed that he really struggled with that as a young child. Mm-hmm. And then I recall the, the the last thing that kind of really put red flags up for me was that he was eight or nine months old, at least, and he did not respond to his name whatsoever. And that is a very yeah. early sign as well. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's really interesting because Emmett was the same way. And mm-hmm. he, well, he was nonverbal until he was four. And same Beckett was as well and, until he was over four, actually. Yeah. And then, well, like with when, when Emmett, they thought that he was deaf because mm-hmm. he didn't respond to any verbal cues. You couldn't startle mm-hmm. him with sound. Like we could come up behind mm-hmm. him and like crash. You know, you used to like when you're kids, like the pot lids or whatever. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't react. You couldn't call his name. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't respond. He would just stare at the TV or whatever it is that he was doing. And, uh, failed all his hearing screenings and everything else. And then they did that, the ABR where they put the electrodes mm-hmm. on to see if his brain is processing sound. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's, well, it's working. He's, he's hearing you. He's just ignoring you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how in the hell can he, like, how do you not startle by sound? Like if you can hear, how are you not startled by mm-hmm. it? But he just was so good at tuning everything out except for what he was focusing on. Um, and that, that's what led us down that same path. And when he started talking, it was like, he didn't go from not talking to like slowly having a word here or there. It was like, it, it feels like he woke up one day 
And, I, and I'd be like, good morning. I mean, he's like, Hey dad, what's going on? And like, and just conversation. And I remember being like freaked out by it because like, how, how did this happen? I, I was talking yeah. to um, a dad in Ohio uh, on the show and he was talking about how his son, it's almost like overnight, there's like a software download or something. And, <laughs> and then it was like Emmett 2.0. And this one is this version has like the speech upgrade or something because there was like no, there was no like steps. It was just right. like, he'd been absorbing everything all the whole time and just didn't want to mm -hmm. talk. It just didn't click. Yeah. 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 I would, uh, it, similar, very similar. Beckett went through, I don't know how many hearing screenings and we uh, certainly escalated. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and they, they said, no, he's hearing, he's hearing, but he's just not responding. And, um, he when he did start to talk, he still isn't he still struggles with fluid communication mm -hmm. and conversational communication. Yeah. But um, when he did start to talk, he he just he, he knows everything. That, that's the, the insane thing is that so many years he we had no idea like how brilliant he really is, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean. I didn't, I really, I didn't know until just the last couple of years, just how insanely brilliant he actually is. He had an IQ test. Um, it was a few years ago, you know, maybe two, three years ago. And his IQ was at 56, which is extremely, extremely low. low. Yeah. Um, which I, I really questioned as a psychologist. I'm like, no, that I definitely know that's not true. But yeah. um, so so impacted because of his lack of communication, but his lack of attention. Right. He's not paying attention. He's not. It's not an accurate representation because of his inability to take the test is. Right. That's, right. I had that with my kids, too. Yeah. Like I said, he he's just and, and if I look back to 2019, he barely talked at that point in time. He had such extreme behavioral challenges. I mean, just meltdowns that you wouldn't believe mm -hmm. um i mean i'm sure you would oh i believe it yeah <laughs> just, oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i'm sure you've experienced i i mean there were times that just were crushing that it it was so difficult to manage his behavior and you were burnt um, out you were oh, hardcore yeah. burnt I, out i mean it was well and at the point that you and i started to um to to chat and to to support each other um definitely burnout i i had been you know raising this child for I don't know, so 2019 he was like four or five years old mm -hmm. at least and it just it, everything it felt like every single thing we had to do with him was a battle and, mm -hmm. and extremely difficult right and I, I just look back to that time and remember how difficult it was and I'm so amazed at how far we've come I you know I, I know you know but I mean, he just finished an entire school year in a typical classroom, not a, not a mix, not a not an integrated. He had an aide, mm -hmm. but he was in a 100 percent typical classroom. And I if you had told me this even a year ago, I don't think I would have believed that this and, and not just finished. He almost had perfect scores the entire year. I mean, it's amazing. I, I just never would have would have known or guessed that we could have come this far. And just to, his, his uh, diagnosis is 
um, moderate to severe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's not, you know, in the, what you might call mild right. um, category. Yeah. yeah. So that, and, and that's sort of a, a segue into something I wanted to ask you about professionally and personally as a parent. Yeah. I've been, I've been talking to a lot of parents about this and it seems kind of like it, it, I, this is what I think happens. I think when parents get a diagnosis, even from really good places like Akron kids or whatever, um, the focus is very clinical, right? And so you get the diagnosis mm -hmm. and you get your piece of paper, that pamphlet that they give you. And it's like, okay, here's, here's a list of like providers for like speech, no T and PT and that stuff. And, and then you're kind of out the door. And, yeah. and what I think is happening for a lot of parents is when you get like that moderate to severe diagnosis, right? Or any diagnosis. Parents, I, I think, well, they're overwhelmed. Their, their whole world's been turned upside down. They don't understand what it means. A lot of times they walk away feeling like it's a death sentence. Like they, I think they understand that it's not, but that, that feeling, right? So you're not processing right. the stuff. And then you're kind of pushed out the door with nowhere to go, but a couple of phone numbers to call, right? So what I, what I see happening is parents get that diagnosis in that moment of now it's like level two, level three, whatever but we'll say like level two or level three. And they assume that that is the final destination, that it's mm -hmm. always going to be this way. And so they go into this journey thinking it's hopeless and that it's going to be this way for the rest of their lives. When, when the reality is, and I think this is where we really need to, to focus is that, what they experienced in that moment, that diagnosis is a snapshot of where they are in that moment. They're mm -hmm. never not going to be autistic because that's just not the way it works. But I don't think that you have to be, you're not stuck in that place. It, there, there is, you have to have a baseline in order to measure progress. Right. And so, you know, when, when Gavin was diagnosed or even when Emmett was diagnosed, we were told Emmett was never going to talk. He couldn't hear. Gavin was never supposed to do any of the things that he's doing now. And I, I, I would bet well, you would pick up on it. Well, other parents would pick up on it. But I, most people who would see Elliot and Emmett would never, never know they were autistic. Wouldn't even, wow. wouldn't even flag anything for them. And I bet you they, they may even be able to, there may even be some debate if they were to be evaluated just because of the progress that they've made. That's amazing. And so, you know, what I, th I think that we need to make sure that parents are getting that. It's, it's kind of a different way of looking at it. It's, it's instead of this is, this is what it's going to be like forever. It's like, this is where we're starting. And yes. we're, this is what it is right now. It does not mean this is where they're going to be in six months or a year. And mm -hmm. here's a list of providers that can help you to, you know, help them navigate. And then here is a website or a list of parent mentors who can help you manage the emotional side of this because there is nothing for that. And parents are just sort of dropped into this ocean of all these things and, and just feel like they're drowning. 100%. I, I, everything you just said. Yes. Yes. I think I, I've told you before, I, I'm a psychologist that put me at an advantage to understand what you might do in this circumstance. And still, it's so complicated navigating what the options are. How do you get the support that you need, that they need? What what kind of support is even available out there? 
and I know what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't think I, 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 I feel like so many parents are at a disadvantage because they don't know. They don't know what they need, what they're looking for, what they could leverage if they knew about it. Um, so absolutely, I think helping folks to understand what they can use, what's out there is so important. That's one of the reasons that I love Milestones, Mm -hmm. the uh, organization that I'm on the board for. They have a a, a kind of help desk that you can call as a parent or as an autistic individual, adult or, or, you know, as a child, you can call for your child to find resources, to to ask questions, to, to, Mm -hmm. to try to navigate this. And I love that because, you, you know, while it's not exactly a mentor, it certainly is a resource oh, yeah. that can be used, right? As I don't know what to do about X, Y, Z, whatever, you know, th- there is a place you can call. And it, it was started by two mothers of autistic children. Now it's been, uh, I think, 20 plus years. So it's been a while since they started it. And at the time there was just, I'm sure, nothing available. And, and so many more resources are available. But finding them and knowing where to find them or how to find them or what they are, that's a huge challenge. And and I, I think it's just wonderful that they offer that. Um, and even today, you know, being now in this space for some time, mm-hmm. I still am thrilled when I hear about new resources. Uh, my uh, policy, my personal policy has always been like, the more the better, mm-hmm. right? I, I, let's give him all the possible support that I can, Mm -hmm. because knowing that, you know, the research suggests that those early years are especially important. So the sooner, the better, give them whatever you can. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, continuing to, to just make it possible for them to get to wherever they can. Right. I think sometimes they're only limited by, you know, what, what possibilities they're given. Right. Yeah. If you don't let them, like, like I said, this year, if I hadn't, he was in a special needs school just for autism last year. Mm-hmm. So not even in a, you know, special needs class in a, in a traditional school. And to go from that to a fully typical classroom, I mean, is just amazing. But I, I was limiting him by kind of trying to shelter him and protect him in, in many ways. And I've seen that, you know, giving him that chance to like rise to the occasion he continues to amaze me. We we have to let our kids fall in order for them to learn yes. to pick themselves back up. And that, that was one of the things that I really learned with helping Gavin transition into adulthood was I, and, and you get some distance from things, right? Because like in the moment we're doing what we think we, is right. But on, when you can yeah. kind of armchair quarterback yourself and and kind of look back and it was like, you know, I think, I think that I... I had a tendency to parent the diagnosis and not my kids. And, and by that, I just mean like, okay, they're autistic. So I'm going to limit their world in order to not exceed what they're capable of. But, but by doing mm-hmm. that, I, we never really knew what they were capable of. Like, I, like I, I thought they were amazing. I knew they could do awesome things, but, but I was, I was sort of sheltering them and I was not allowing them to have exposure to things because if it was a two part thing, really, because I didn't, I didn't want them to struggle. Right. I wanted them to be able to be comfortable and happy and whatever. So I tried to make things as easy as possible. And then on the flip side of that, I had to be able to manage whatever the fallout was for whatever it is that they would experience. Yes. And like you said, those meltdowns are awful. 
I mean, it's worse. It's worse for them because they're the ones experiencing that distress. But the the adrenaline rush for parents, the uh, the stress level, the the collateral damage, the destruction. I mean, it's scary. It's overwhelming. It's exhausting. And it's this whole range of emotions that parents go through in those moments of frustration and all these things that then they end up feeling guilty for afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just awful for everyone. Uh, and, but if we don't allow our kids to have experiences, they never learn how to navigate it better, you know? And, uh, I, I wish that I had recognized that sooner than what I did, uh, because then I, I wouldn't have been making excuses for behaviors and, and coddling probably to some extent you know i mean like i I don't even like admitting that but like i I, in the moment it felt like the right thing to do and if i were to do it over again knowing what i knew then it's probably the same thing that i would do right but yeah but it's you know i always tell parents like people want to have been asking a lot like you know when should i start preparing my kid for adulthood and it's like how about the moment they're born because yeah you have to assume (laughs) that that little kid is going to grow up to someday be an adult and be in a world without you in it. And not that anybody wants to think that, but we need to spend all of this time helping them to prepare for that. I don't mean like rush them through childhood or, or steal their childhood, but, but use everyday things as a teaching tool, let them fall so they can learn to pick themselves back up. Let them understand that there are consequences for our actions. And there are so many things that our kids do that are just stupid, dumb kid things and not related to autism. Like I, I, yeah, that I, I just I didn't see that back then. Yeah, no, a hundred. I, I mean, I again, I you and I always are pretty much aligned. Yes, yes. I I am appreciative. I was just saying to Brett, who uh, your your folks, your your fans will hear about in the future. Yeah, you guys are going to hear um, from I, him next week. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I was just I was just saying to him how uh, it was so rough to get to the point that we're at, and yet I'm so happy that we did some of the things that we did because one of the I remember so clearly early uh in in Beckett's you know earlier in his childhood talking to my mother after a really terrible meltdown I I mean he we would take him places um because you know I want to expose him to the world and it felt like it's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. he needs to he needs to go to places he's a child he should do fun things but also he needs to be out there in the world in some way he needs to be exposed to it and a, a really, really terrible. Actually, I think it was the Holden Holden Arboretum. Oh, uh, I've been there. There's a train. Yes, there's a train uh, that they have there. I think I don't know if it's always there, but anyways. And I remember the the meltdown leaving there. We luckily had a wagon, and I mean, you would have thought we were murdering this child the way that he was screaming. And we, if we hadn't had a wagon, I don't know how we would have gotten him out of there because at least we could pull him in that while he was having a complete, you know, meltdown. meltdown and others are looking at us like, what are you doing to this child? And I mean, we had to force him into the car. This, it, it was, it was just so traumatic, at least for me, I don't know yeah. for him, but, um, and telling my mother about it afterwards. And she's like, you just need to stop taking him places. And I said, no, I can't. I know this is awful and it's, it feels awful, but if I don't do this, we will never, it will, it will reinforce 
mm-hmm. the problems that we have in the future. And I just, I have, we have to do it. Well, imagine doing and, that and having that same yeah. experience when he's 15, 16, 20. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When he gets bigger. Yeah. I mean, now he's, he's a big little dude, yeah. you know? And I mean, thank goodness we, and again, I, I, I want parents to know because I remember how all encompassing this stuff felt back then mm-hmm. and want them to know, like, it gets better. You know, there's going to be some tough times, but also, you know, I'm so glad that I toughed that out back then because, you know, we, we don't have to do that anymore. He doesn't have, you know, he may not be happy. He may cry. You know, the other day we were at Everett bridge, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the, in the, the river there, he was having such a great time. He wants to crush every rock. You can't crush every rock, but he, he wants to try. Yeah. <laughs> so having such a great time and, you know, it's time to go. And this is a, a prime example of something that he would have just, I mean, huge meltdown, fl- you know, flying on the floor, like flipping around, kicking, biting, hitting. I mean, yeah. you name it. And, but that's not at all what happened. He still complained and made it very clear that he did not want to leave. But he walked with us nicely. He kept a calm body, nice hands, quiet voice. You know, I mean, yeah. he and and that's huge, huge progress. And I'm so happy that I did those things early on to make that possible now. That's life altering progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for both you guys because I, I think that it's it's, <laughs> you know, it's just really it's really cool to look back at where we were three or four years ago versus today. And it really is. I mean, we survived the global pandemic. (laughs) All of my kids are still here. Like we were locked in a house for 15 months and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, like I, none of us killed each other. Like it was just like, we, we, we all, you know, came out the other end of this intact mostly and, and better for it really, because Gavin learned all these skills that are helping him to do his own thing. He decided he doesn't want to live here anymore <laughs> after 15 months of lockdown. Uh, but, but he, but, but it forced me to see that, oh my God, like he, he's capable of that. Like I, I just didn't, yeah. I just didn't, we get so used to the way things are mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. to sort of condition ourselves to react a certain way in order to survive it and manage it. And I think sometimes that gets in the way of recognizing just how far they c- they've come and how much farther they can still go if we yeah. let go a, a little bit. And that's, that's hard to do, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anywho. Uh, so if you have one piece of advice for parents out there who are maybe struggling or just, just in general, what, what would you, what would you tell other parents of autistic kids, like what's your one piece of advice? It gets better. Whatever that means, it gets better. Uh, seek out support, whatever that means, right? Support from um, folks in the community, other autistic parents of autistic kids, um, call milestones, try to get some ideas from them, whatever. You are not alone and there are options out there. There are resources. I love, you know, the Akron Society of Autism, like they're great. You know, there's a lot of those kinds of groups. You, there are definitely local groups that you can Mm -hmm. become involved in, connect with other parents of autistic kids, just, you know, find ways to keep connected, to find what's out there. 
because it it gets better. But you you know there are going to be some rough patches in the in the meantime. That's really good advice, and uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for everything, and I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to Brad. And we're we're gonna I'll, I'll somehow I'll figure it out on the back end, but like I'll connect the two episodes. So I'll update this one after it airs to link to the other one. So you guys can kind of see, I think it's really interesting when you can experience the same journey from two different perspectives and, yeah. and just see how different people view different, you know, the same thing in different ways. I think it's can help us better understand what's going on in our own life and the people in our life and whatever. So I, I really appreciate you guys being willing to do this. And uh, it was great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So, uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.